Hello, everyone. Welcome along to the IGN UK podcast this week. Joining me are, well, I ought to say who I am, really, because people might think I'm someone else, but I'm not. Good. Joining me, comma, Stuart Reid, are from left to right in your ears, Daniel Kruper. Hello. And I'm going to skip over the next one for a second because it's a big surprise. Uh, on my right-hand side... <laughs> it's, not it's, not big, it's not that big a surprise. It's one of seven people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he's kind of spoiled it by, by talking already. Yeah, Luke Kamali is here. I, I'm here. And making his uh, final appearance on the podcast. I can't believe it's his last one. Sad times. It's Tom Butler, everybody. Oh, sad times. Yay, Tom Yay, Butler. I can't believe you're the one to go. I know, right? Uh, How did yeah. that happen? It's been um, fired. Well, they finally caught up with me, and I'm having my lethal injection tomorrow. So, <laughs> yeah, which member down. of the, um, the IGN UK podcast would you most like to execute? Um, send that bit of feedback to yeah. IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. So, you're leaving us for pastors new? I'm leaving IGN. Yeah. Uh, full stop. Yeah, this is it. This is the end. Um, so, yeah, I'd be sad to see everyone go. How long have you been here, Tom? Um, about five years. Uh, the first podcast I ever appeared on was. Christmas 2008, I think. Was what that the really that? drunken one upstairs? Yeah, one of the top floors of yeah. the old office, yeah. And then um, and then I think episode, it was around about episode 25, I think. Right. And I've been doing podcasts ever, ever since. You haven't done one for a long time. We haven't heard from you for a long, long time, though. Because I hate you all. <laughs> Which is I, I hate going this. Yeah. I hate talking. I hate everything. No, yeah. I don't. Actually, it's just um, just through the sheer nature of my role at IGN. It's changed so much that I haven't had the time to do it. It's like Dan Kilby. He would love to do it, but... Um, he's all serious now. He's all serious. He's got massive muscles and he's can't get bigger, through the door. He's got bigger, the year. Yeah. He is. I, I saw a picture of of us a few years ago and he's he's got a lot bigger since then don't look back a lot of people have got a lot more hair then uh, I, I <laughs> don't smaller waistline got more hair than ever before yeah it's um, sad looking back we kind then. of used to bully Kilby a little bit I remember when we put the, the helmet on him for one of the podcasts because he was breathing so heavily you put, <laughs> hel- you put your helmet on him we actually put a, a crash helmet on Dan uh, Kilby for a podcast a massive oh. helmet yeah I think I think it might have been. No, it was, no, a, it was a proper drive. Uh, was it grid or drive helmet oh, that Martin okay. used to own? Yeah, um, but yeah, that's why he got stacked. He's got stacked. bullying him. We're all him. terrified of him now. Yeah, yeah. But, true story. Um, yeah, it's been it's been good, and yeah. I hope everyone has enjoyed listening to the podcast. This yeah. isn't the last ever podcast. Used to be just racist on one. it, didn't you? All sorts of stuff used to happen on it. The times have changed, haven't they? A lot more politically correct nowadays, aren't they? A lot they? more. I try not to be, but then I just get dragged back down to being having to behave myself. Let's look at the news this week. What's happening? Okay, so to begin, we have Call of Duty Ghost sells $1 billion into retail in 24 hours. So, that, so according to ITV, that means it's made a billion. Yeah, now not just according to ITV. This was on Sky News yesterday as well. Fucking mainstream sites, basically. <laughs> oh, what, I shit <laughs> like, Basically, they've all Should been reporting. Should we really glow? <laughs> oh, yeah, we well, they can report Everything financials on IGN accurately. is factually correct. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> due diligence and all that. Um, vigilantly proofed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. Um, Loads of fucking titles. An IGN. I was going to say can of worms. Um, it's well, not, it's not just my last week. It's Daniel's last week. He's gone. He's gone rogue. I don't know what's happening. Luke, Luke, you mean can of worms with a U? <laughs> Second O to the only to the Guardian in I terms of pronunciate all my worms. That's, Brilliant. That's the two Ronnies. That uh, is it. And that's an office reference. What are we talking about? So they've sold a billion billion dollars dollars in retail. retail. Wait, how do we we know this? So they've basically released a press for (laughs) this. Activision (laughs) told people. They were like, here's an exciting bit of news. We've sold $1 billion worth of stock into retail. So So what does that mean? That means that ahead of launch, a billion dollars worth of ghost stock was sold to retail. What it doesn't tell us 
is then how much was moved on yeah, from retail to consumers. So the big talking point of this being GTA 5 smashed this huge record last month. Um, it generated $800 million in sales in 24 hours. And Ooh. what some um, outlets are now reporting is that Ghost has done what it set out to do and beat this record Did by a managing a, a billion. And it hasn't. But it it hasn't. hasn't done that. No. And so Sky News, ITV, many places have all reported um, incorrectly that Ghost is now the new record holder. And you can tell that that wasn't true because the press release did not bear the title Ghosts Becomes the Fastest Selling <laughs> Game Ever. And the mere fact that that was not mentioned anywhere in the press release should have probably been a heads up. Do we have a rough idea of how many copies have been sold? Um, no. At least at least two, I believe. Yes, is that at right? Because yes. I saw there was two people. There was a queue, uh, there which was means a queue means more than one person. a guy queued up and got a PS4 copy. Why is he queuing up to get a PS4 copy? I going to say, it's not out for like, what, two weeks? I, um, anecdotal evidence, though. I did get um, someone tweet me. Um, at Luke Carmali. Someone tweet me just saying that... Um, Can you bleep that part out? <laughs> such a Please bleep that part out. And if you, if you someone wanna... saying that um, he works in Tesco's and they internal figures for them are something like they sold 26,000 copies of GTA in 24 hours and only 10,000 yeah. of ghosts. Why, so are you, it, why are you chirping someone at Tesco on oh. Twitter? Stop... He tweeted me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Don't then you're DMing start. Him. He tweeted this is, me. This is Vernon Kay all over again. Oh, <laughs> Just, Justin Lee Collins. Write down in that pucker pad how many <laughs> copies of Ghost you sold. Um, I think what's more telling is the fact that they actually released a press release saying that they'd done this. This is really yeah. telling in terms of like where Call of Duty, the franchise, is at the release of Ghost. They're obviously very worried about losing their mantle as the biggest selling game in the world. And they've had to make up a statistic... Mm to put something out because every year for the last, what, five years, they've had a press release that says so many copies sold in the first 24 hours. It's kind of worked. It's, it's well, worked. It this is up to a certain degree. It's kind of worked. Right. But what's interesting is obviously you've got to bear in mind there are the two next gen versions that aren't being so aren't coming out yet. So mm. it's that they you know if we give them a lot the of people could be waiting. A exactly. lot of people could be waiting. That probably has hurt twenty four hour sales. But even so, that's a bit of a shitty fallback. It does option, feel right? like the bubble may have slightly burst. Yes. How can a bubble slightly burst? Well, um, deformed. You've put deflated. You've, di- you've dipped the needle in vinegar. Have you done that with oh, a balloon? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's go. good. Yeah. You know that. If you dip a needle in vinegar, you can put it through a balloon, and the balloon won't burst because the vinegar acts as a temporary binding agent. He's still talking. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking love science. That's science. If they had that shit in gravity, if they had a bottle of sarsens, they would have been no, <laughs> they would have been fine. You're getting very northern today, Daniel. I don't quite know where this is coming. I'm always from. northern. Other, I just other, hide other, it. other vinegars are available. Other vinegars are available. <laughs> hey, look, we've got the BBC. Say whatever you like. Send us some sarsens. Oh yeah, and promote the shit out of it. I yeah. would do. I uh, drink a shot of vinegar. Is, the problem with sarsens is you only need one bottle for life, right? That's I've right. Never bought a second bottle of vinegar ever. I bought one ever. Do you not use oh, it as no, a cleaning I use agent? loads of vinegar. Yeah. I basically drown stuff. <laughs> I basically have chips swimming in a vat of vinegar. Vinegar's I went wrong. to a Thai restaurant the other day, and they used the very kind of iconic British vinegar receptacle for fish sauce. And this guy. Didn't know it was fish sauce. He got some chips, put loads of it on his face when he ate it. Was one of like those men who good at gurning at British seaside resorts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised you can't gurn being northern. No, because I've got all my teeth on, like you. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I am lacking several teeth now. Yeah. Although my pumpkin the other day, four days on, it looked like an old man that had no teeth because his face just like collapsed in on itself. Aww, <laughs> Send us your pictures if he's had pumpkins. Yeah. <laughs> that is not a euphemism. Stuart's getting his balls out. Hey, look at my sad pumpkins. Tom, 
Uh, what's happening with the Wolverine? Uh, oh, you just showed me a picture of his Capcom again. <laughs> yeah. Not Wolverine, Daniel. <laughs> Pitiful moan. So Deadline reported this week that uh, Fox is, is, 20th Century Fox that is, is in negotiations with director James Mangold and Hugh Jackman to come back for a second Wolverine uh, solo film. Isn't it? The third Wolverine well, solo film. Yeah, okay, so Some I'm being facetious. It's The Wolverine 2. It's the second The Wolverine film. The so, other one was well, X-Men uh, Origins Wolverine. Wolverine. The Wolverine. Yeah. Oh, so it's The Wolverine 3, really. Stick that's, a Wolverine in it. Wow. Um, and, uh, yeah, basically, they're being sought to bring, um, come back to do, do another one. A veteran X-Men producer, Lauren Shula Donner, is attached to produce. And Mangold apparently is making a deal to write the treatment for it. So um, if he does come back, it'd be the eighth time that Hugh, Wol- Hugh Jackman have played Wolverine. He, he fucking loves it, doesn't he? Yeah. He can't get enough. Which is more than um, Roger Moore played James Bond. I was about so. to ask, is that the most time somebody's played the same fictional character in movies? It's Jim Carrey, isn't it? Away. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, that one. That, that was clever. That one. Yeah. I, uh, movie like, banter. What was that? Oh, yeah, that um, incredible Burt Wonderstone, whatever it's called. Crap movie, but Jim Carrey's performance in that is brilliant. Ah, but now, when I watch the, the 50 greatest magic tricks ever, yeah. I realise that he stole his whole shtick from that guy. Um, oh, shit, I'm going to... Chris, Chris, uh, Chris Angel? Oh, Chris, um, Chris Angel, yeah. Is it Chris Angel? Chris with a K, Because there's videos of him, and he's got, like, he wears, like, the hobo's yeah. clothes and a ponytail, and I was like... Because I've never... I'm not really aware of Chris Angel oh, and I thought Chris Angel slightly, like, emo. Yeah, yeah no, he, he is. is. Yeah. I swear there was lots of kerfuffle with him getting kicked out of places for swearing and touching models or We're something. doing his magic. <laughs> yeah. That might be like... my eyes. Look around the eyes. Look around the eyes. Um, <laughs> we're getting all over the shop today. Yeah, but, but yeah, so I mean, the, the Wolverine, yeah. not X Men Origin Wolverine. Wolverine <laughs> became the second highest grossing X Men film of all time. Well, so, we, so that's Wolverine too. Quite enjoyed it. I, I've uh, completely forgot what happened in it. Yeah, pretty much. But don't spoil it. I, I didn't there, see it. While I, didn't I was see it. while I was there, I, I enjoyed it. I did not. Not enjoy myself. Did you not enjoy myself? <laughs> no. um, Great. Do you know what the highest cool. grossing X Men film of all time is? No. I bet it's three. Last Stand. It's three, yeah. yeah. Oh, the worst of them. No. Well, you say that. I do. <laughs> but have you seen X-Men Origins Wolverine? Wolverine's no. off. The original oh, yes. Wolverine. Yes, I have, yeah. No, that it's is got, not very good. It's got Will I Am in it. Yeah, true. Yeah. Good point. It's awful. But um, I quite like Last Stand, but then I'm easy to please. I didn't, Last I didn't. Stand's not as bad as everyone makes it out to be. It's watchable. It's got some good moments. The, moments. the moment when Wolverine kills Jean's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, I, I cried when, uh, with the Professor X bit. I found that really emotional. Yeah. I quite like the bit where Juggernaut is chasing Kitty Pride. <laughs> I'm the Juggernaut bitch. The Juggernaut just full, full on is <laughs> awful. Awful. Vinnie Jones. Um, our best what are you going to do with him? What can you do with Wolverine? Because obviously in Days of Future Past, because you had the trailer of the week, I don't yeah. know if you talked about it last That's week. exciting. But he's got a bit of grey. And he's the main character, pretty much. Now, yeah, but he's but that's the binding because, character that's because, because that's future Wolverine, isn't yeah. it? Should they do Old Man Logan? We talked about this. Problem, the problem yeah. with the problem with Old Man Logan is is you need to do like a hard eighteen Old Man Logan. Well, right? that's the thing with Wolverine. The best Wolverine film should be an eighteen. Like, and they'll never really, get made. No, they'll never get made. No, there's not an audience for it. We've seen that with. 18 rated well, comic was book Blade, not before. an 18. What, well, Dread, right? I suppose you just scale the budget accordingly. Yeah, Dread, Dread um, well. Sin, uh, Sin City, I guess. But if you, movie. if you movies, you have to go fairly, fairly far down the violent road to get an 18 certificate now anyway. So it was sexual violence, things it's, like that. Which with, it, and sex in general. Because Wolverine would still be classed as fantasy violence. You'd yeah. probably get away with a little bit a more. more. 
But also, if they just knock the budget down to, like, why can't you make a Wolverine movie for 20, 30 mil? Like, of all the heroes, he doesn't have to have, the, you know, the most special effects. Your problem is, though, you say that, and then when they made this Wolverine, the, one of the chief complaints amongst sort of commenters was that the action wasn't big enough. And so people expect suppose, from a superhero film, they expect yeah, I think Superman I've, levels of destruction. I think in, mm. like with wall-to-wall superhero films, I, I think there's maybe almost room for that quieter, like more of the character piece. And I thought of times Wolverine was going there, but then it also had to like offset it with the kind of the train sequence and the big samurai thing at the end. But the things I liked most about that film was when it was just him like yeah. going off doing his own thing rather than getting involved in a big battle. Aren't yeah. people going to get sick of these superhero movies? That's the big question because it seems that 50-60% of Hollywood's output at the moment seems to be these big budget comic book movies. But film What's- genres last for quite a while, don't they? Like, of type. Like, Westerns had their day for quite a long time. Slashers had their day for quite a long time. That's like 15 year stretches, mm. 10, 15 year stretches. Yeah, we just, It will happen. We are but, knee deep in it at but the moment. Uh, my, my concern is that with those kind of genre films like slashers, like westerns, they weren't necessarily big budget movies. Whereas uh, if a studio made a couple of these big comic book movies and they tanked, that could take the entire studio down. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a worry. Well, with Star Wars coming back, we could see a resurgence in sci-fi films. Yeah. You know, there's, there's actually that. been a bit of a move towards that Pacific Rim and so on, but Star Wars could be the one that turns the tide. But like you're looking forward to like 2015 and you've got Batman versus Superman, Avengers 2, Ant-Man, all these big movies. But with Jurassic World, I want that to kickstart the dinosaur renaissance. Yes. Wall to wall dinosaur films. Bring back dinosaurs. Literally. Literally. A uh, bit more news here. Uh, in an interview with French out- outlet Game Cult, I don't know if that's how they pronounce it. Game, 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 game Cult. Uh, Mario's creator Shigeru Miyamoto has said that he's unlikely to be working directly on the next game in the series after Super Mario 3D World. Uh, he's going to take. He's saying he's going to take a more hands-off role in the series. He's been saying that for years. Yeah, he has yeah. been saying that for years. Yeah, he barely goes. He says creating a Mario of 3D World's caliber demands enormous energy, and there's little chance that I'd be able to take the time necessary to work on the next Mario. Instead, I want to get involved more heavily in the development of new, smaller-scale projects. We'll get on like, with it then, like, like the Wii U. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But he says, don't worry about Mario. <laughs> That's he's he fine, isn't it. he? Yeah, he's all right. He's all right. It's just everybody else is fucked. Well, the, the team that made 3D World and 3D Land seems to know what they're doing, right? Yeah. yeah. They make good um, games. Give them a console tra- to make. Are you using the new Japanese trailer for Super Mario 3D World today? No. It looks amazing. <laughs> it looks incredible. Like, in, in a world of, like, Killzone and, like, Rise, where it just looks like, so, like... Gritty and... Dour and... Grey like, and brown. On Christmas, I want to play Mario. Isn't yeah. that the one we played? Yeah. 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 Okay, there's a video on the site of us playing it, and I show off the fact that I haven't played much Mario before. Yeah, you didn't know the buttons are... No, right. look, I, okay, just, I need to justify this. What do you do? This. What do you do? How do you kill something? Look, okay, I'm going to justify this. Look, no. I played the first Mario game, the Mario Land thing, and That's then I played the... That's not the first Mario Land. I played the one on the Game Boy, <laughs> then Donkey I played Kong. the one with the golden coins, which was fun for everybody. Then I played Super Mario Sunshine. It was diabolical, so excuse me if I then decided never to play a Mario game again. You're very reluctant with coming forth with your opinions. Well, yeah, just say what you think. You know, you I think, just feel man. that I got a lot of stick for Con- that. And, um... But yeah, so well, wait, wait till this goes out. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Miyamoto said, reiterated what we already knew. Thanks for that. 
Yeah, well done. She's Mazza. I'm staying at home. I'm an old man. <laughs> uh, so there's. Have you seen all these deleted uh, Star Wars scenes? <laughs> I knew your face would light up. You know, he's got something doing laser discs. Laser discs. <laughs> See, I knew it would come in useful one day. Well, no, but the thing is, it's not even like a normal laser disc. It's like some fucked up laser disc variant. It's brilliant. Oh, is it, you're getting hard, aren't you? I am getting. Do you want to see? <laughs> First time in years. Absolute years. Not that I. Oh, Jesus. You do know all about it. So it's this, all this footage that's coming out is, uh, is from an old. Uh, laser disc but it's an archival laser disc and it's a special laser disc that was put together for um go on this editing system <laughs> <laughs> oh Stuart's editing corner oh. <laughs> Stuart just mimed wanking himself that's how he edits that's how he did the GTA uh, 5 review one handed yes all it's the way so long Anyway, but all the shortcuts, what's more so. interesting I think is some of the clips that are on this disc because they've never really appeared on any of the uh any of the extended deletion, uh, ext- extended editions, extended deletions, <laughs> scenes before or any of that kind of stuff. But this is all brand new stuff. So when guy- does this, this date from? Do you know? Um, early eighties. So was that when Laserdisc started? No, I mean Laserdisc started back in the mid seventies. Okay. Because what you have to remember is that even though it's read by a laser, it's actually an analog system. It's not a digital system. Such an what? enabler, Tom. As if you're doing this. What makes it an analog system? Because it's that it's. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I don't know. Do you want to know? Yeah, I do actually want to know. Well, it's because it's all frequency modulated. There, there are pits in the disc that are read by a laser, but they're, they're, it's not a digital breakdown of the image. It's not made up of pixels. It's made up of modulation, of okay. f- modulated frequencies, which are then, you have uh, a sub- subcarrier that carries the colour image and you have the different part of it that carries the actual black and white image and then they, they are put together uh, in the modulating part of the disc player. Is this how the IGM video player works? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or doesn't work, as some yeah. would say. Uh, um, yeah. Okay, so, but yeah, Return of Jedi was 83, so this has got to be sort of between 83 and 90, yeah. you think? Because, I mean, you know, the, the, at that time, everybody was still editing film on film. You, you'd have a big Steinbeck reel-to-reel. Uh, Did you used to edit like that with a, a knife and, like, cut? Did you ever do that? Um, uh, audio I did, yeah, but not video. Okay. The funny thing about this is that it was for the edit droid, right? Yeah. Do you know how many edit droids George Lucas actually ever sold? I'm guessing not very many. None. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> he created this editing system for people to Good buy. Good job, that guy. Never sold any. Well done. Yeah. Well, it was outrageously expensive for what it is, but all these early editing systems were. There was. I remember seeing a video of one which was like made in the late 70s, and you you'd have to like dump all your video onto it and he'd edit with a light pen. He'd actually use a light pen to edit <laughs> with and, like touch the screen and do all the stuff with it. Magic stuff, magic so stuff. What happened? What's the clip? What's the actual scene <laughs> yeah. that we've been talking about? I, enjoyed, I don't, I don't, I enjoyed that I don't, I don't really care what the clip is. I Anybody do else? actually. What's this one? This is a deleted scene. He says, reading directly off the piece of paper uh, from Return of the Jedi that reveals that Obi-Wan Kenobi wanted to tell Luke Skywalker the truth about his dad, oh. except Yoda would not allow it. So it's basically it's offering redemption for Obi-Wan, who people yeah. have obviously thought, well, why didn't he just tell Luke the truth from the start? Mm. So this would come in, what, in Jedi? This comes. This would have come in Jedi on his deathbed. <laughs> on whose whose deathbed? deathbed? Yoda's deathbed. Right, right, okay. He said... Wait, Yoda dies? Sorry, yeah, spoiler alert. So this basically suggests that Yoda manipulated Luke into hating his own father because he knew he was a powerful Jedi. And used to end him. To use him to kill Vader. Okay. So he was manipulated all the way through. I like that. Yeah. And we've always sort of thought that well, there's a bit of con- discontinuity somewhere. A bit of a plot hole, a bit of a plot hole isn't it? That Ben never told him. Or Obi-Wan, sorry. All Ben. So but all if ben. it was Yoda, he was acting on Yoda's instructions. 
It's yeah. quite interesting. I like that idea of Yoda not being physically capable to end it himself. So he's like manipulating events. Yeah. yeah. Crafty little green bugger. Yeah. Well, he's stuck on a swamp planet, wasn't he? What was he there you go, Bar. Like Miyamoto. Just yeah. like, I'll, I'll just be here. I'll just, don't worry. <laughs> he's just manipulating them to make is better Miyamoto Mario Is Nintendo's Yoda? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That's our talking point for this. Yeah. <laughs> so next time you see a, a laser disc on eBay for $700. You know, just pick it up, just buy it. You never know what it might be. He's not made any profit on this, though, has he? Because he's basically just been releasing the clips yeah, well, for free on it, Facebook. Well, <laughs> well, there, therein lies the rub, isn't it? Because he's got the Laserdisc, but what's on the Laserdisc, he has absolutely no rights over whatsoever. He probably make money on YouTube. Though, everything that's on that Laserdisc belongs to George Lucas or Lucasfilm. Or Disney, Disney now, I guess. Now. Yeah. Disney owns it all. It's like back in the day when I collected film prints, you know, 16 mil film. Snuff, snuff. <laughs> yeah, snuff movies, brilliant. <laughs> even, though, even, though you, even though you have the physical prints there, you do not have any rights to show those prints. Same with you having a DVD or a Blu-ray at home. You couldn't... You can't you, do a public. You can't do a public screening because even though you own the disc, you don't own the rights to show that film. You can't watch any of my own films. No, I'm afraid not. Oh, no. <laughs> so who's breaking the law if you're watching a DVD at home and someone watches it through the window? <laughs> <laughs> Is that you or them? Yeah. You. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably have to stop doing that then. Put Tim Foyle over your windows. Okay. Yeah. Stop the aliens getting in. Stops the aliens. Stops the detector vans. Yeah. Stops, the, vo- stops the voices when I wear the Tim Foyle hat. Would you want to be in the new Star Wars film if you could be? I've already yes. auditioned. Yes. I've auditioned. Have you? Yeah. You playing Did you go down? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's open <laughs> There's open auditions, aren't there? Yeah. I yeah. think you should go. You should go, Luke. I'd love I you to go. Uh, go on, use the force, Luke. Uh, maybe, I don't know. No, uh, I'll, um, no um, I just thought you'd be in it if when I appear, it says my Twitter handle on my lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> Luke, I can't, I can't, what is your Twitter handle? I can't remember. At Luke Carmali. Is it? But I, anyway, I thought uh, some of my friends who are actors have actually had, um, had behind closed doors auditions. <laughs> What's that, that sounded wrong, but they sound they have had auditions. Like some of my friends have auditioned for roles. I've, aud- I've auditioned really? a few young ladies for roles in the film as well. Yeah. Have you really? Oh, yeah, all behind closed doors. Cheese and ham so, yeah. rolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, it doesn't look good for them anyway if they're doing open casting calls. But there we go. Why not? It's good publicity. It's just it's that's all it is. Not gonna, none of them are going to get it. No. none of them. In. So, but don't forget, Harry Potter found its main cast via open casting calls. So and these now he's worth happen. like fifty-five million. Yeah. Quid. Really? Yeah. Yep. Oh, Daniel Radcliffe, he's minted, isn't he? He's yeah. absolutely... Look at Jake Lloyd. Who? Oh. Did you see that picture of Haley Joel Osment the other day? Oh, is that another weird-looking picture? Oh, puberty hit him like a <laughs> is it? brick. He's in a really sweaty shirt. Yeah, no, puberty hit him like a brick. Oh. Um, in the balls. But, but what about uh, Jonathan <laughs> Lipnicki? Have you seen him? Little Nicky, no. No, that went quite well for him. Yeah, he turned out all right. Well, I think, um, I think a gym membership worked Dan- out quite well for Danny, him. I don't Danny, think anything else did. Danny Torrance from The Shining's Professor of Biology. I saw the picture of him. That yeah, works on out Empire. The Corey yeah. Feldman. Quality he, he, he didn't. Corey Feldman. Corey, what happened? No. No, One of the first things I ever one. did for this company was was uh, Corey Feldman. <laughs> an <laughs> audience with. An audience with, yeah. <laughs> Never saw the light of day. It's for Rotten Tomatoes. That's but, right, uh, yeah. yeah. Probably for the best. We've seen Jets and them. Luke, <laughs> so more news. I have more news. Um, so the PlayStation 3 has passed another... Um, Land milestone, milestone. There I was going to go. say a landstone mile mine, a landstone mile mine, landstone mile mine. I was going to say, but it went wrong. Um, okay, so anyway, they've now sold over eighty million consoles worldwide as of November the second. Um, so originally launched in Japan, obsolete at a stroke next week, November two thousand six. <laughs> well, this thing not in um, developing countries, obviously. They're not, not going to have country. the PS four for ages. PS three is going well. This is the interesting point. So Sony, alongside this, said that they've announced. 4,332 games for the console released. worldwide since it was released. Released. Yeah. Not announced. 
No, they've no, they announced that they have released. Okay. Um, and over Christmas, this is all going wrong. Over Christmas, they're saying an additional 300 titles are coming. 300 over Christmas? Yeah, and also I should make it clear that they are not digital titles, they are retail titles. What? 300 games for PlayStation 3 over Christmas? Don't quite know how that's going to happen. <clears throat> Maybe they meant 300 copies of one yeah, game. Yeah, I think that's more. No. One copy of the game 300. If you're interested as well, <laughs> the PSN currently has more than 150 million registered accounts, cumulatively. It's a, it's yeah, it's because I keep forgetting my fucking passwords. Yeah. Well, I think it's because people have different regional ones, right? So anyway... Wait, 80 million, 80 million consoles, 150 million PSN... Yeah, because think about it. Some people are obviously going to create accounts for Vita. Some people are going to create accounts, double accounts. So one in the US, one in, the US, in Europe. And there might be siblings. Yeah, true. So I think that's probably it. Um, also, just for those of you who are fanboy fans... Um, I'm still getting my head around the fact that 300 different titles are being released over Christmas. Or well, they said in the holiday Christmas. period, oh, so that's clarify, probably one that's 11. Please clarify. That's three months, isn't it? The holiday, the holiday period is probably going to be like 11 months or something, read the small print. Um, <laughs> so Microsoft, um, the Xbox 360... I'll tell you what, this, this ain't no beyond, is it? Microsoft's Xbox, <laughs> 360, <laughs> Microsoft's Xbox 360 passed the 80 million mark um, last month, so it's back in belief. So can you just DM Yoshida? Yeah. <laughs> I could actually. <laughs> Excitingly. What's your Twitter handle? At Luke Carmarley. Good. Uh, Tom. If I don't get a single fucking follower for this, <laughs> I'm going to keep so saying that down every time you say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At Luke Carmarley. There you go. Going to make it a bitch of an edit for you. Uh, no change there. Tom, what's <laughs> happening with, uh, with GTA Online? Uh, well, it's been rumbling on for a while, but Rockstar have finally announced. Rubbing on. Um, rubbing rumbling on. on. Oh, it's, it's come today. Shall I do this or do you want to do this? No, never mind. Sorry, I just I shouldn't have updated the story since. All right, fuck it. Will you do it? There you go. Fine, okay. Basically, the GTA Online cash compensation that Rockstar's been mumbling about for a while has mumbling? arrived Mumbling? What do you mean, mumbling? Well, it was going to come... M- mumbling on? Well, it was going to come in two... So basically, they're giving half... an out-of-focus press release. G- yeah, pretty much. So they're giving a half a million cash injection to people um, in GTA Online. That was going to be in two different bundles towards the end of October. Delayed because continuing issues. It was going to come this week. It's now coming. All over your face. <laughs> You've gone too far. Don't think I have. So basically, log into GTA Online and you'll have uh, half a million dollars in there. That's only for tune. people who logged into GTA Online during, during October. October. Yeah. Yep, so. oh, and, it could, and it could take till Friday evening to arrive. So. Oh, okay. Good. Good. Right. Is anybody, Next. Uh, is anybody a bit tired out of GTA now? I have finished the game. I've finished it. I haven't finished it. The single it. player. Yeah. Played multiplayer once and decided I wanted to only ever play it with friends. So I haven't coordinated that, but we yeah. should do that. Yeah. I know Dan went on at the weekend and he had trouble still. So. Yeah. They are still issues. Oh, I played Batman a- last night. I told you about games with trouble. I played Batman last night for the first time. Which one? Uh, Origins. Or- Origins. Mm. Oranges. Oranges. And played it for about an hour and then I got to a bit where I had to open like one of those vents. Vents everywhere. Oh. Open the vents. Tapping A. And it just froze, and my rumble on my pad went absolutely mental. It, it ram- I left it on for a while. It rumbled for about five minutes. and wouldn't stop. I had to unplug the Xbox. Wow. Jesus. Batman was... Re- it was like Batman was masturbating, because the stream was just him, like... <laughs> They've got a lot of them. Um, they have released announced that their issues aren't having yeah. their, their patching. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. Batman broke. <laughs> Final bit of news this week, which leads into our, our chatting point. Talking point. Talking Call of Duty. I, on Monday, ahead of Call of Duty Ghosts coming out, I interviewed Infinity Wars executive producer Mark Rubin, and I asked him about the whole 720p on Xbox One, 1080p on PlayStation 4 debacle. And I said, basically, what's that all about? Is it a big deal? And he said, well, the internet seems to think it's a big deal. 
And yes, they did, Mark. Well, yeah, yes, they yes, did. They did. Um, he says, you know, it's easy to be comparative when you're looking at both systems. When you see one out of context from the other, I don't think it's a big concern. We did our best to make the best looking game on each console and making sure we nailed down 60 frames per second. That was key for us. Mm. But the reason for the difference, he says there's no kind of malicious agenda or real reason why. It's just basically they didn't have enough time with both. And to get 60 frames on both, the optimized bit, optimization process, it was just better on 720p on Xbox One and 1080p on PlayStation 4. He says in the future that might not be the case, but it sounded like they basically got the final specs for Xbox One quite late. Here's what I don't understand, though. I, I thought the specs basically. between the two machines were fairly... Fairly similar, uh, and the underlying architecture is quite is, is is the same. It's not like the old days where you know with the PS3 and it had its 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 weird central processing chip that everybody found it very difficult to code for. Mm. I thought the you know the, the Xbox One and the PS4 were were fairly similar under the hood. I may be terribly mistaken. Well, there's a, a guy from uh, who one of the Assassin's Creed developers did an AMA this week, and he said that next gen is really easy to, to develop for, and current gen he described as being nightmarish. Mm. Which is um, weird why there, why there is such a disparity between these, these two well, versions I, of the game. I heard it was to do with the unified... This is me talking about my ass, I don't know if it's true, but I heard it was to do with the um, unified memory, because there's unified memory on the PlayStation 4, but there isn't. There's like two pools that it draws from on the Xbox One. Right, okay. Yes, yeah, I've heard that. And so so that's, got, that's a balancing act then, Yeah, so I've heard it's more difficult for them to... It's easier for them to kind of, rather than get the balancing act right, it's easier for them to kind of, you know, crank it down on yeah. the 720 and just... Yeah, well, if you're interested in a lot of the differences, we have videos comparing um, the two versions on IGN. Also, we have videos comparing current-gen and next-gen versions of the games. Mm. I've been watching a lot of them this week. It's not a big difference, really. It's not massive, is it? it, More than anything, particularly with the Call of Duty one, it's like colour palette. Yeah, I've noticed that. It seems much kind of darker on next-gen. Or more blue and like, maybe it's colder. Yeah. I think that I think the, that seems to be the key difference. Though. I think the lighting is more natural. I think that's what one of the issues is yeah. because they, they I think because they can, you know, lighting is one of the hardest things to get right in games, right? And it takes a hell of a lot of processing power because if you think about how light works, I mean, it's the same if we do any kind of graphics here and we have to do any ray tracing and there are light sources. It really slows your computer down to a crawl because it's thinking about how that light interacts with not only what it's hitting but the. Ref- what happens to that light after it's hit that object? If it comes, you know, if it bounces back off that object, if it hits something else in its path, and rendering and all these that kind of negative things. space as yeah. well, where the light isn't isn't yeah. hitting. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We have we should say we've been playing some Killzone as well recently. That does look nice because that's been yeah. developed exclusively for a next gen system. Yeah. Whereas a lot of these games, they're trying to like put it on everything. I know Battlefield's a bit, yeah, a bit um, in places. I don't know if we're embargoed in terms of. The Xbox One version of Battlefield. I think we are okay. right. Okay, so we it's difficult there. to say. But I, I wonder. Uh, well, I think I've read some stories on the on the web about um, issues with Battlefield. Aren't they, haven't there been so? Current I think that, but the story is is that well, I say the story is what one thing that's slightly concerning is that a lot of Xbox One coverage is currently embargoed until they've uh, until it's released. So yeah. a lot of games that have come out multi-platform like Assassin's Creed, Call of Duty can be reviewed on all platforms including PlayStation Floor. I mean, yeah. PlayStation Floor. Floor <laughs> but not Xbox One. Xbox One's the only one you can't release a review for. Yeah. And we've got and people it's have these consoles and they have these games, the moment, right? Yeah, yeah. So obviously we can't really mm. say anything because it's all embargoed. Thing I mean, is, when which, you're, which if, is worrying. If you're playing mm. if you're playing a game on a 40-inch TV, 
And you're, you're hitting like 60 frames a second, so you're getting really good smooth imagery. Do you think it really matters if it's in 1080p or 720p? When, it's bragging rights. Well, explain it. Well, what is the, what's the real difference? Like, obviously, you're well up on stuff like this. Explain it to... It's vertical resolution, okay. right? So it's the amount of lines going up and down the screen. Okay. So 720 lines. Progressive lines. The thing, the thing is what we should remember on Xbox One is 720, but it's upscaled to 1080. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, that How means does that work? Okay, well, let's put it this way. If you, if you use Photoshop and you have an image and it's not big enough to fill the place that you want it to fill, you drag it, you upscale it so it, hit, so it fits that size. But yeah? it blurs it, That's right? That's upscaling. Yeah, it does blur it, but there are, there are things... <sighs> You can then do things to make it less blurry. You can add a sharpen tool and stuff like that. To so is that what it does? Of, when it, is that what the upscaling is? Called, like kind so stretches of, the it stretches the pixel, but then it yeah. applies filters or whatever effects yes, it to, does, like, yeah. to bring it up to slight yeah, parity. It, yeah, it uses all sorts of special things. Like it'll it'll look at it'll kind of pair pixels off and look at two pixels next to each other. And if there's a massive contrast there, it'll kind of heighten that contrast. And if there isn't much of a contrast, it will try and smooth that contrast out okay. to kind of make the picture look less right. blurry. Yeah. Okay. Um, another then, question. Uh, yeah. Another question. Cause um, one of the Xbox games, Rise runs at 900p. Yeah. That's What's a bit that of a about? weird one, right? I think that's kind of, I, I've got a feeling that's left over from PC days. Cause a lot of PC games used to, we're running at 900p. Let's not forget. This was the game that was first being in develop, being developed for Xbox 360, right? Yeah. So that could just be a legacy thing in Absolutely. terms of how far they got. Yeah. It's still, I mean, it's still no, no when, it's still not. The best way to look at it is, is take your, take the amount of pixels that you have in the horizontal plane and the amount of pixels you have in the vertical plane, um, multiply those by each other. And that gives you an idea of how many pixels will actually be on screen at any one time. Yeah. So if you've got um, 1280 by 720 pixels, obviously if you multiply that, that's a hell of a lot less than full HD, which is 1,900 and, 20 pixels by 1080 pixels something like that i might be i might be a couple of pixels out but that gives you an idea of how you know those those numbers are kind of you know they could be half a million pixels different which sounds quite a lot to me Mm. i I think with the to go back to sort of next gen to current gen graphics obviously it's still gonna be early in the next gen cycle right oh yeah well it's still still yeah like it's like when you first sort of like people go, oh, I don't see the difference in DVD and Blu-ray. It's like, um, I was going to say my girlfriend, then my wife would says so she sees no difference in it. But I know that if I'm watching a Blu-ray, if I then put a DVD in, mm. it offends my eyes. And right. I think you'll get to the point where you've played that many next-gen games. Next time you go back, it will offend your yeah. eyes. I, I do think also these cross-gen games, kind of having it on current-gen <clears throat> is going to like shackle it to some degree. Well, what what games do we know that are 1080p on Xbox One? Because um, I've been banging on about this, but played Zoo Tycoon the other day. Fucking loved it. And um, it's te- it is 1080p, and Forza. it does look great. Forza, Forza is as well, well right? 1080p at 60 frames. Yeah. And so, so Zoo Tycoon Forza. But that's only coming to next-gen. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. The, and they and their mic- and their in-house Microsoft, right? It's funny, but... It's. I find it different with games than I do with with films. Like I could, I could quite happily watch a 720p movie on my projector at home, and that doesn't that doesn't offend me at all. I think it looks fine, looks sharp. But if I if I watch if I play a lot of games on a projector, I find the jaggies really do my nut. I find that that, that kind of jaggy effect you get with with uh, with a lower resolution really kind of is quite offensive. Yeah, play an asteroid. 
that's what I'm going <laughs> wrong, isn't it? So uh, it's my last IGN podcast and I'm leaving games behind completely to, yeah. to, to yeah, talk yeah. about movies. <laughs> but um, one thing I'm not going to miss is debates about fucking resolutions. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, it come, or- I'm sorry, but it comes down to, re- it's a pissing contest at the end of the day. It's how many, how, which console has the biggest resolution, right? It's outrageous. When you actually take it, take it back to the man on the street who doesn't, isn't interested in reading about video games on the internet, isn't that enthused about it. All they see is what they see in shortlist or, you know, the sun. And what their games? review is, it says it, Xbox One's got FIFA, Xbox One's got Call of Duty. He doesn't care if it's outputting at 720p. It does not give a shit. You know what a bigger factor is? Price. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the Xbox One is, is, is very expensive. So, I mean, I'm, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens around launch. And we're not far off now, right? Still got no. my pre-order. For PS4. PlayStation 4. I can only really afford one. Yeah, obviously. So I've got that. I've only got one jewel. I've got an extra controller because I thought if I don't get a controller right out of the door, I'll just never get around to buying one. Yeah. So yeah. I might as well just go full in. And I've bought one game, Marvel Lego. Excellent. It's Exciting. all on Marvel Lego. Sorry, that's all I'm playing on it. I'm going to play Outbreak as well. Outlast even. Well, do you know, I'd like to hear from the listeners if they think outputting at 1080p at 60 frames a second is a game changer. Quite literally. Hey. Thanks hey. very much. IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Do get in touch with Also, us. if you've got your pre-order, whether you've cancelled a pre-order, whether you're affected by Blockbuster. Yeah. Oh, like the, good, the good news um, for UK listeners about Blockbuster is that they are trying to... Um, to honor pre-orders so there's a form you can find it on the site you fill it in they will um they're working with sony and microsoft to try and fulfill pre-orders it's nice of them. i think the people that ordered pre-ordered their consoles from blockbusters aren't ign readers well <laughs> true that's my prediction. there's a couple there were a couple in the comments so yeah of the story so if you are affected go good luck it. to you and a doff of the hat yeah um, Scottish author Ian Rankin has a new very short book out. In fact, I think we called it a novella. It's called Kickback City. It's one of those hard-boiled gumshoe American detective st- novels that were so popular back in the 1930s. This one is slightly different, though, because it comes with a set of lovely postcards uh, with some terrific imagery on it and also three CDs, uh, two of which feature the music of uh, singer-songwriter Rory Gallagher. Uh, I popped down the road to Covent Garden and had a chat with him about this just the other day. So Ian Rankin joins us. Thank you very much for taking some time out of your busy day. Uh, we're talking about Kickback City. Now, I didn't, is it Ian Rankin's Kickback City or is it Rory Gallagher's Kickback? Can you explain a bit about this thing that I'm holding in my hand right now? Well, you're holding a very beautiful artefact. It's um, shaped like a, a small hardback book, but the picture on the front looks as though it's from a hard-boiled detective comic. Uh, it looks like the sort of thing that Frank Miller would have done with Sin City. Um, and what it is, is basically Rory Gallagher... Irish blues rock guitarist um, was a huge fan of crime fiction and his brother got in touch with me a couple of years ago and he said did you know this? I said no, not really but it makes sense when you think of some of the songs the titles, the lyrics he said whenever Rory went on tour he always had a big box full of books, crime novels specifically American um, and he was a huge fan and he said I'm putting together an album of Rory's crime songs would you like to get involved in some way? So we bounced ideas around. Because he knew I was a fan. He knew that Rebus, my detective, was a fan. Rebus often sits listening to Rory Gallagher with a glass of malt of a night after a hard day's work. So we thought about what we could do, and we came up with this notion of me doing a, a homage to the American hard-boiled detective story, something that Rory would have enjoyed reading. 
and at the same time something that would sneak in as many mentions or references to Rory's songs as yeah. possible, characters from Rory's songs or just themes that he talks about in his songs. And it came together fairly quickly after that. I mean, the story came together quickly. Um, but then Donal, Rory's Gallagher, approached Tim Truman and said, would you do some art for it? And then he got Aidan Quinn, the Hollywood American actor, to do the audiobook. Yeah. And before I knew it, with this gorgeous thing that's three CDs, there's a kind of book, there are postcards, it's going to come out on vinyl, and I'm a huge vinyl junkie, so I'm very happy ah, about that. I didn't know it was coming out on vinyl. Well, you, hear, you heard it here first, maybe I'm not supposed to tell anybody, but um, <laughs> uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, and it's a, you know, it's just sort of celebrating Rory's love of crime and maybe getting a new audience for his work. Sure, yeah. Because when we think of Rory Gallagher, we think of the guitar playing, I guess, primarily. And we think of the hard, bluesy singing. But we don't always look at the lyrics. And in fact, from the albums I've got, his the LPs I've got, he didn't often put the lyrics on the sleeve. So you, you couldn't always read the lyrics because they weren't always there to be read. And when I went back and looked, I mean, Continental Op, which is one of his songs, is named after a Dashiell Hammett novel about a private eye. Uh, you've got Kid Gloves about a boxer. You've got um, Slumming Angel, you know, which could be a socialite, a woman with lots of money who likes to go sl- go to the sleazier parts of town, which is what I've done in this story. Yeah. You've got people. You've got blackmail, Kickback City. You've got um, money lenders, all kinds of kind of characters from the wrong side of the tracks. It must have been fun for you to 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 write a period piece and to know that it was going to be a short story as well. So you could just really kind of throw all your ideas out there and, 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 and see what happens. Because these characters are so... Even though it's a very short book, a novella... <laughs> if, well, let's not a, even get A novella, it. a long, short story, yeah. I don't know exactly what it is. They're, they're, they're incredibly well-rounded characters. They don't seem... They don't come across like caricatures or cartoon characters. They are rounded characters in such a short amount of space, wouldn't you say? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you, there are certain stock characters there. You've got the kind of district attorney who's hungry for, for success so he can become a politician. You've got your money lenders. You've got your crooked boxing matches um, you've got your low lives in general people who run clubs, people who run bars um, you've got a murder victim, you've got a femme fatale I mean these are stock characters but maybe because I was coming at it from the outside I was able to give them a little kind of a fresh you know, coat of paint mm. because you know, I'm not an American I don't write American pulp fiction this was new territory for me so I was looking at it from the outside peering in and when the story was written to make sure that it was American that it did feel American I sent it to a friend of mine in the States who reads a lot of American pulp fiction a lot of crime fiction and she corrected a couple of things she said well we probably wouldn't say that or they wouldn't think like this or Mm. um, to make sure that it was accurate and make sure it was something that Rory could have read um, if he'd still been with us sure you might, was it a refreshing change for you to write something like this? Yeah, totally. I mean, it was. A, I, I like it when people make me stretch myself. You know, sure. I once did a two hundred page graphic novel because somebody asked me to do it. I just thought that would be interesting. I've just done a stage play because somebody asked me to do it. I thought that would be interesting. I've tried to write screenplays. Um, I've written song lyrics for bands. Yeah, this was just. I thought, okay, can I do it? Can mm. I do it? And as you've said, it's a short story, which means that you can afford to take the risk. Yeah. If um, if if I'd been asked to do a full-length Rory Gallagher novel, I might have balked at it because it'd been months and months of my time. And if the end result hadn't worked, that would be a lot of time wasted. Mm. The story this time round took about. I think I listened to the to the to the songs a few times. I plucked out the bits of lyrics that I wanted to try and use in the in the, in the story. And then I started to find a structure, and then I, I wrote f- three or four drafts, and the whole thing didn't take much more than a couple of weeks. Right. That's impressive. 
Well, it was fine. I mean, you know, it probably took a lot longer to draw the pictures. Yeah, which are beautiful in the book. Gorgeous. Yeah. And he's done a, it's a lovely thing. There's all kinds of wee in-jokes in there. There's a Gallagher guitar at one point. There's a poster for a young guitarist, Irish guitarist called Rory Gallagher, yeah. who's playing at the club one night. Uh, I, I think Tim, the, the artist, is definitely a Rory Gallagher fan as well. So that, I think that comes across in the way that he's approached the project. It's also nice. As well, I, I don't know where you stand on the whole digital versus print thing. Now, I'm guessing because, you, you know, you just said you're a vinyl fan. I'm guessing something like this, an artefact like this, is such a... It, it lends itself, obviously, to being a physical thing that you hold. If you try to replicate this... Well, you couldn't do it for, with a Kindle. You could probably get away with maybe doing something similar with an iPad app or something yeah. like that. But but is it the kind of the whole package that you really wanted to get out? Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the, the gorgeousness of the art. It's the tactile nature of the product. You can pick it up, you can play with it, you can flick through the pages, you can put it down, pick it up again. Um, you can slot it into your bookshelf or your CD shelf, and when people come to visit, they'll get a sense of who you are. Mm. This is what I miss when I go around to people's houses now, is a sense of who they are. If you can't flick through their bookshelves, if you can't flick through their LPs or their CDs, if all they're handing you is a Kindle and an iPod and saying, here's my record collection and my book collection, it's just not the same thing. You're not getting a sense of them as a character. What I find is, I mean, I'm an old fogey, I'm 53, but, you know, we, we, I think we all know now more record decks were sold in the UK last year than CD players. Kids are coming back. Kids are coming back to vinyl. They're coming back to the, the, the big tactile thing because the art is beautiful. It's a beautiful product. It's a beautiful thing to hold. Um, and it looks good when you stick it into a shelf or it looks good when you carry it around town with you under your arm. You know, so there are all kinds of reasons why people are coming back to vinyl, not just because I think it sounds better, despite the occasional pop or click. Um, that adds to it. Well, some, some ways it does, you know, when you've got an old album, I've got an old Joy Division, the first Joy Division album, and when I play it, I can go, oh yeah, that was that scratch came from that party I took it to, and yeah. that was the time I did a drink too many and was trying to lift the needle off the end. Exactly. And, and, the, and the covers are the same, aren't they? Because you can do things with those covers. I mean, you know, they're well, you can roll, you can roll a joint. I mean, not to put too fine a point in it, but, you know, you get the occasional Bob Marley album with a few sort of burn holes in the corners. You go, well, somebody's been smoking over the top of this. And <laughs> No, but I just, you know, the art, I mean, the art of the album sleeve is a, is a thing in itself, and and you know what, the new David Bowie album the one he brought out this year I mean the, the CD's fine the download's okay but when you buy the vinyl you go there, you've got this lovely big piece of art mm. um, and you know so many bands are starting to use it again the Filth soundtrack uh, that um, Clint Mansell's just done um, comes in this amazing die cut sleeve and it's a thing that you couldn't do as a CD or as a download it just mm. wouldn't have the same quality to it Did you ever leave vinyl at some point? I kind of did Yeah. Um, when the kids came along I bolted my record player so high up the wall of the living room so they couldn't get the records and scratch them. They had to stand in a chair to change records. And after about a few months of that, I thought, no, I'm going to give up on this. And I started to listen to a lot of CDs. And I mean, yeah, as a writer, CDs are useful because I don't have to get up and change the record every 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, so I can stick a CD on, put it on repeating and write all day, which is what I tend to do. So I listen to a lot of CDs when I'm writing. But for fun, um, when I've got some time to actually sit and, and concentrate on the music, then it is vinyl. I've got a couple of old school friends. We get together every month or so, and we go around to each other's houses, eat a meal, and then we sit around and we play vinyl. And it's always great fun, and I always find things that they've brought along that I wasn't expecting to find or that you know that I go and buy afterwards. Yeah, I like it a lot. I like it. I, I do. I'm a kind of an, I'm an analog guy. I, somebody says about Rebus in the new book that he's very much an, an, an analog guy in a digital world. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with that because I, I think when you listen to a record when you put 
a record on, when you put a piece of vinyl on, as opposed to putting a CD on, there's something that makes you listen. I don't know what it is. There's a connection. Yeah. There's a, con- there's a connection because you've actually had to go to the effort of doing that. And then when you sit back down again, you're watching a record go around. Hmm. There's actually something there. You can see the mechanics of it. You can't see that with a CD player. No. A CD player closes up and you don't get to see what's going on. Um, with a download, there's nothing to see. But there's actually a performance. There's a performance that you're watching, the record going around, the needle going across the record. Um, and it's a much warmer sound. I think the textures are much warmer. It's a much more human sound. And we are, I mean, you know, we are not machines. We're not machines. And the music we listen to shouldn't sound like it's made by machines necessarily. And with downloads, because it's so compressed. It's okay if you're listening on headphones, maybe. But if you try and listen to it in a kind of room with some big speakers, it just sounds terrible. Can I be really nerdy and ask what your hi-fi system is at the moment? You can ask what my hi-fi system is, and it's the same system I had in 1988 when I worked in a hi-fi magazine in London. I worked in a magazine called Hi-Fi Review, and we were vinyl junkies. We thought vinyl sounded a lot better than CDs. So I've got a Linson deck, which mm. I bought then, with an Itok arm. Uh, I've got a pair of Lincan speakers, bi-wired, and I've got an exposure amplifier made in... Hove, Brighton, Worthing, somewhere down there. Yeah. An old, um, an old uh, solid state amplifier. And I've got an Arcam CD player I bought a few years later. See, does, uh, but it doesn't have to be an expensive hobby to get into, does it even? Like, no. Like, no well, you, know, you, you, got a you can get a Riga planer deck for about 150, 200 yeah. quid. Well, I picked up, I've got a Riga planer. Get a second hand amp, second hand pair of speakers, yeah. you're off and running. Yeah, it's perfect stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, my first decent deck was a Riga that I got second hand from a mate of mine. You know, I mean, as people move up the food chain, they tend to sell the stuff on. Mm. So you can pick up quite a few bargains. And it lasts as well. Well, yeah, I've just told you, that system I've got is from 1988. Yeah. I've not even changed the cartridge. And a guy comes and checks and he goes, it's fine. <laughs> That's impressive. You know, it's yeah. an Audio-Technica cartridge and it, and it hasn't worn down enough yet to need replacing. So what, uh, what would you listen to if you were writing right now? There's a few totemic albums I can play that are good for writing. Um, Brian Eno's Music for Airports is one of them and his latest album Lux which is basically Music for Airports 2 is phenomenal for writing to and it's an hour long I just don't have to get up for an hour and then you know switch it back on again Tangerine Dreams Ricochet which is a live 40 minute set I can stick that on and listen to it most of the day some jazz I can listen to I can listen to Coleman Hawkins or I mean, who else? Miles Davis I can listen to, some Coltrane, um, some modern classical stuff, Arvo Part mm-hmm. is very good for working to. It has to be, it pretty much has to be instrumental. Yeah. Yeah, because if it's got lyrics, I'll be listening to the lyrics, I won't be writing, so it's got to be instrumental. A lot of electronic music's great for that, Boards of Canada's very good for that. They're just Apex releasing all their Twin. early albums on I know, on I just vinyl. got them all. Did just you? Got, well, they're so expensive to buy, the second-hand ones that you could get on eBay and elsewhere were... 100 quid a pop. Because people wanted the vinyl, it was yeah. very hard to find. So as soon as they released it, I got all three of them on vinyl for 20 quid a piece, and they're just magical. Magical. And the new album's terrific, I got that on vinyl as well. The new Roy Harper album, I bought on CD because I balked at 30 quid for the vinyl. Mm. I bought it on CD and liked it so much, I went and bought the vinyl afterwards. <laughs> I find I do that a lot now. Yeah, with, how desperate is, is that? Though? But this is, this is no bad then thing. Then I give where, the CD away to yeah. somebody. Well, this is why I tend to use Spotify now, because, of course, you can, you, can, you can audition stuff on Spotify and then think, well, that's really good. I need to get a copy of that album. Yeah. I find, I find myself doing that quite yeah. a bit. I mean, I sometimes find myself, if the download comes out first, I get the download, oh, I like that. I'll just get the CD. Well, hang in a minute, as a special edition vinyl. I'll get that as well. Mm. End up with three different versions of the same thing, which, of course, is the only thing keeping the record industry alive, as far as I can make out, is that idiots like me are buying it and 
And then when Bowie brings out his new album on a new version with a whole CD of extra stuff, you end up going and buying it again. Buying it again, yeah. They rinse you. Yeah, they are. You're getting hosed down every this time. This is what you should be doing. You should be writing, you know, writing books and then bringing out again a month later with an extra chapter. <laughs> no, I, you know, <laughs> if we did that, we would we would get a, there'd be a lot of very annoyed customers out there. The director's cut with all the bits that you, 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 you your editor told you to take out, or with a, new, a short story at the end or yeah. something, a little bit of extra. In fact, books are going to have to get like albums. I mean, the way albums are surviving is that you buy the LP on vinyl, you get a download code or you get the CD with it, mm. so you can still get it on your iPod or your, your MP3 player. What books need to do very quickly, I think, is to start giving away the download code for the, for the Nook or the iPad or whatever it happens to be. Why publishers aren't doing it, I don't know. I think there are technical issues to do with compatibility. You know, if you've got a Nook, it's different from getting a download code for a Kindle or whatever. It's an expensive option. But get the book out there, hardback book, numbered, signed, slipcased, a beautiful object, an object d'art with a download code, and people will start buying hardback books again. I mean, even even for, for a, an author like you, what are hardback sales like? Are they... Are they I, I have no idea. Are you talking hundreds, tens of thousands? I mean, well, let's take, I mean, the J.K. Rowling, which she wrote as Robert Galbraith, she wrote a crime novel pseudonymously. It was well-reviewed in the papers. It was advertised. A lot of very big-name crime writers gave it a, you know, a quote for the cover. It sold about 600 copies before she announced that she was, J.K. Rowling was the author, in which case it went on to sell tens of thousands. If you're a very successful author, your new hardback novel will sell maybe fifty or 60,000 in the U.K., mm. Maybe fifty or sixty thousand. I mean, you can replicate that all around the world. If, that's, if Canada's doing that, and Australia's doing that, and the US is doing that, that's pretty good sales. Paperback, you might sell between quarter of a million and half a million. Ebooks are beginning to take a much bigger chunk of that. So I think my previous book, thirty to forty percent of the sales were ebooks. Um, was that significant? Uh, a significant jump from the book before that? Yeah, probably. I think before it was about twenty-five thirty. Right. So it's gone from twenty-five thirty to thirty to forty. Yeah. It will, I think it will plateau. I think it will plateau. It will, it will level out in the end, and, and there will still be a place for hardcover books, for you know, for collectors, for fans, for people who want something to show people their character by putting it on their shelf at home, yeah. and something you can reread and something you can pass on. Here's the thing: if you you know you might spend ten quid on a book for your Kindle, but you can't then pass it on to your mates. No. You can't you can't give it to your kids when you die. You know, I mean, so you've got all these these lovely books that people buy. They can then pass around or. You know, they've got, they've got, they've got a, a value, a monetary value, as well as a kind of psychological value, but they've got a value that an e-book just doesn't have. Yeah. Same with downloads. I mean, when I go, I've actually got in my will who's getting my LP collection when I go. It's getting split between my son and my, um, my two vinyl-loving friends from school days. That's brilliant. Well, yeah, because it's, it's worth a lot of money, but, you know, not everybody knows that. People might, you know, my wife might go to clear a house out and go, I'll just get rid of all these early Frank Zappa albums. I'll just give them to the scrapyard, you know. I'll pulp them, I'll do whatever, you know. Same with the books, you have to decide what you're going to do with all your books. But the notion that somebody might actually get a lot of pleasure out of that is something you can't do with downloads. Something I saw on Twitter a few weeks back, um, Danny Baker took a photo of, uh, he was at his local dump, and somebody had, you know, they, they're, they're really high containers at dumps now, and then you've got to go up these steps and throw your stuff in. He said at the bottom, there was just layer after layer of all these fantastic early 70s vinyl albums like All Things Must Pass all these incredible things and he said this bloke look 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 can I just knit down and just get them because they're going to be and the guy said no you can't have them They've, they're, they're, you can't get in there They've health and safety mate yeah. it's health and safety that surprises me because these days everybody's a dealer 
Yeah. And people, it's very easy for you to find out if something's got value or not. Just go straight on eBay and look at how much the vinyl's fetching. So it surprises me. I mean, I can imagine it happening 10 years ago when vinyl was pretty much redundant or people thought it was redundant. They thought it was the sound of the past. But now I think people are a lot more switched on about potential resale value. And B, a lot of people now know that, val- that vinyl's making a comeback. You know, vinyl record shops are opening up. Hallelujah. Who'd have thought? Edinburgh's fantastic. I mean, if, if anybody out there is, is a fan of, of, of records and record buying and, and uh, just looking through crates, per capita, you've got, you've got a great... You can spend a great day in Edinburgh. We've got eight or nine second-hand record shops and about three new record shops. And between them, they must have over, well over a million albums just sitting there in boxes and in cupboards and in shelves waiting to be gone through. I've got, I've got a friend, a very good friend in London who loves coming up to Edinburgh because he can do the whole of Edinburgh in a day or in a weekend. And it's just a lovely couple of days. And you find stuff that is hard to find elsewhere. Our time is almost up. One last question, though. What's the best find you've had where it comes to second-hand records? <laughs> Can I give you the best find I've ever had? It's not a second-hand record, though. I shouldn't tell you this, because somebody from the the, 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 the Hi-Fi mag might come calling. When I worked in this Hi-Fi magazine in London, Hi-Fi Review, sitting on the floor one day, we had CDs and LPs getting delivered to us all the time, and sitting on the floor was a scuffed old Michael Jackson CD, and I wasn't a huge Michael Jackson fan. I thought, I'll give it a home. So I took it home, and it was great. It was remixes from uh, Bad, I think. Um, turned out it's a limited-numbered edition done by Monster Cables, the cable company. Yeah. Um, and I just saw a, a copy for sale on Rare Records, or, you know, the Rare Record Finder or whatever, and it was, a, it was like 800 quid. <laughs> uh, and I've still got... I went, have I still got that? So I went and, and dug it out, and yeah, I've still got, I've still got my limited-numbered edition of that, which is... Apparently worth eight hundred quid, but I picked. I saved wow. from basically getting binned. Yeah. Oh, that's a lovely story. Right. I think our time is is pretty much up. I haven't got time to even tell you about the mint copy of El Topo on <laughs> Apple. I picked up for fifty p last week. Fifty p. Fifty p. That's good. Those are getting harder. Those are getting harder. Those fights. Yeah, that's for sure. Kickback City. When's it? Is it out now? Yeah, it's out now. Brilliant. Go out and buy it because it's well worth it. You can sit down, read the book, and you'd read it in an evening. Yeah. And you've you've got three CDs to listen to as well. Yay. Ian, thank you very much thank for joining you. us. So Kickback City is uh, out now. It's well worth a read. Like I said, it won't take you very long to read what it. What an interesting but, uh, chap. Yeah, he's a lovely bloke, really good. And uh, apologies for wanking on about Hi-Fi for about ten minutes. But there yeah. uh, Okay, so you people, you people, <laughs> you fucking people have been in touch with us, to us, at us and on us. Uh, and this is this week's feedback. Yeah, so the first one um, is from Notorious Ant. Um, which is quite exciting. Um, and he basically says, Dear IGN UK podcast team, love the podcast, really love it. Love the chilled out vibe and how it's obvious you're all really good friends. <laughs> I've only brilliant, you knew. Brilliant fucking actors. Absolute bullshit. I know, bullshit. Uh, I know right? well, We are this week. Yeah. Um, I have my PS4 pre-order with HMV. Put my 20 quid deposit down in June and cross my fingers that they wouldn't go tits up for the PS4's release date. It was a good bet. Second person to pre-order at his store. <laughs> Um, so he went to see if he could switch his pre-order to the Killzone bundle recently, but HMV told him he couldn't switch, but he could, would be offered the upgrade when he came in on release day, um, if there were any left. And his point is, he can't do the midnight launch, he's got a young daughter and a job, so the earliest he can go in is lunch on release day, yeah. at which stage, of course, there'll be none left. Oh, that's outrageous. So his claim is, because Sony said, when they announced all these bundles, that all retailers would be contacting... You know, the people who pre-ordered being like in order of, you know, first come, first serve and saying, right, what do you want? 
can, you can upgrade or you can sit the same. And so his, he's saying that he wasn't offered that. Mm. Um, and, you know, what, you know, he says he feels cheated. Do we have any advice um, or has anything else happened similar with HMV? Well, I pre-ordered with Amazon and I was offered the chance to upgrade. Yeah. And I know my, a couple of my friends were with Game and they've been given the chance to upgrade. I don't know anyone who's pre-ordered with HMV. Anyone here? Um, nobody I know. No. Do we, have we got have we got uh, a number for their press office? Can we give them a call? I shall, I can do some investigation, but they should they should have offered you the chance to upgrade because it, it's mandated by Sony. I don't know what to suggest because it's too late to pre-order anywhere else now, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Costco. Costco. <laughs> you yeah. can. Costco have sold yeah. out the really good bundle. The really good bundle. They've got yeah. a seven hundred and fifty quid bundle with a Vita and everything. Fucking hell. Um, wow. I would. I don't know. I'd maybe give them a ring and just say. They've yeah. got to. I mean, I did, 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 was it the store manager he spoke to? Well, this is the thing. There's a bit of information lacking. If you could tell us if it was, or, you know, if you say if it's whether the store manager, but oh, no, that wasn't even the, a sentence. The, the, no, the best thing to do with these sort of things is just, the, there's always an email address on the HR, on any corporate website that says email us. Most of the time, when it's a retailer. You should get a response from them. I don't understand. The only, the only thing I could think of, because he says he was the second person to pre-order with that one, is if maybe HMV did kind of a didn't just do it regionally, but did it kind of, you know, nationwide. So he wasn't in one of the earliest pre-orders nationwide. So that's why he didn't get the chance to upgrade to one of the others. But I can't imagine they'd do that. You're going to have to draw me a flow chart, Luke. Yeah, I've got, I've got I don't, no th- that's the only reason I can think of it. But no, they should have offered you the chance to do that. So as Tom says, if you can email them, but like their corporate website. Anyway, if you're still listening, <laughs> do that. That's a good idea. Email this is Watchdog now. Yeah. Did you hear what Bobby Cody That makes you and Robinson. Um, next oh. year consoles. No. Uh, he said that he expects that the prices will come down very quickly after launch. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Um, funny, yeah. I don't know what he's basing that on, but um, I think it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. If you can't afford one now, then maybe wait till after Christmas. And then he, fini- he finished going, hey, buy a copy of Call of Duty. It's great. It's great. I'm in Moneyball. We uh, had some feedback as well because last week, of course, was a Halloween special. Halloween! Spooky stories from members of IGN. And you've written in in your twos. Yeah, <laughs> with spooky stories as well. What? You got the second piece of feedback. Oh, there is that. So David Trevino has written into us. Ah, oh, I miss you, David. Oh. Long time writer, inner. Uh, he's uh, he's had quite uh, a few experiences. I'm just going to read this one out. This is Grandma's house. Grandma. Don't think it's anything to do with Simon Amstel's TV show. <laughs> well, that's pretty terrifying, to be honest. <laughs> My grandma lived in the country in a very old farmhouse. And we lived there for a year. One night, I woke up to the sound of someone walking down the stairs. Walking. (laughs) Walking, Matilda. (laughs) The bed I slept in was in a middle room where if you looked out the door, you could see the bottom of the stairs. So I opened my eyes, waiting to see who was walking down the stairs. And just as it got to the bottom, the steps would stop. They would shortly start again at the top. This happened several times, and I finally just covered my head and ears... And it eventually stopped. Another time I was inside and I needed to go to the bathroom and it was locked. I knocked on the door and I heard an old man say, I'm in here. He turned into Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> I figured it was my grandpa and went outside to where my, to where my uncle and sisters were. I told them I needed to go to the bathroom, but grandpa was in there and they told me no one else grandpa was, was at the house. <gasps> Spooky. Thank you, David, for those experiences. Do you have an experience, Daniel? I want to make you read it again. What voice was that? Was that like Rod Serling? I, I don't know. Okay. Okay. Do you want to read this? No, you can read this. Okay, it's from Tom Smart, who lives in Sheffield. Oh. Um, right. 
it's about two years ago and I was staying over at my girlfriend's house. We were both fast asleep. Mm, terrifying. When I was awoken by the sound of scratching from the ceiling, at first I thought nothing of it, thinking it was just rats or something. It was a big old house after all. I'd think something of it if it yeah, was just rats. Yeah, scratching on the <laughs> um, But the sounds of scratching continued on and began to move from the ceiling to the wall to the left of me. I woke my girlfriend up and asked her if the house had rats or something that could make those noises. She told me she didn't have a thing that could do that. <laughs> um we listened for about two minutes more until suddenly the scratcher moved the door to the bedroom as if pulled out by a dog or a cat, neither of which she owned. I got up and flung open the door only to be hit by a blast of freezing cold air, despite it being a really warm night. It may have been also been my eyes playing tricks on me, but I swear I saw a silhouette of a figure in the doorway opposite. Spooked out of my mind, I climbed back into bed and curled up beneath the sheets. The scratching didn't sound again for the whole night. Wow. We still both swear to this day that the event was something paranormal, even though one could think of many ways it could be logically explained. <laughs> oh, oh, there you go. Spooky tales. Yeah. Love the show. Scary stuff. Love the show. Have you, have you, ever, have you ever heard weird scratching? I did uh, when I was a child, had this weird scratching in my room and I turned the light on and it was a mouse. Oh, right. And that yeah. was even more terrifying than seeing a ghost because, Jesus Christ, they move fast. They he was, do, he was just they? stood yeah. there next to the wall, scratching it with his little <laughs> tiny mousy hand no, looking worse, at you. It was worse than they had little turntables giving it all that. <laughs> oh, God. Look, look, you're a dad now. Look, yeah, shit jokes, like Alex, <laughs> shit jokes. Um, Go fuck no, I, once, I once heard a voice like called my name, but I was revising for exams and I was like, I drank a lot of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. So I'd love to see a ghost, though. Would you? Yeah. Would you give him a hug? I don't know. I don't know. What would you do? What would you actually do? I don't know. I just like to see something supernatural. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with things that were supernatural. Mm. Yetis and um, <laughs> spontaneous. That's not the first thing I was, thought you were going to say. Spontaneous human combustion. combustion yeah. uh, UFOs. Like Dickens. Um, did you, have you seen that Bigfoot TV programme that's been on recently? No. There's called the Big, Bigfoot Files, and I think it's like on Channel 4 or something. And it's a, like, <laughs> like a, channel five it's like a series of, of shows that are trying to actually physically prove whether Bigfoot's existed. It's really good. There's one that called this, uh, the Russian um, Bigfoot, it's called the Almasti. And there's actually a recorded story of this woman, this, this female Yeti who was captured by locals, kept enslaved by locals, and it actually had children. They traced this Yeti's children what? down. What? And it turned out, it's a terrible story, that she was a, an escaped slave. <laughs> What's a Yeti? She had like, like that, her werewolf syndrome. Yeah, well, yeah, and she like had a lot of bodily hair and it actually was just a woman who'd been kept captive because she was odd and she'd been enslaved and then raped. And then it was a oh, horrible, it was oh a horrible tale. Oh God, Russia. Yeah, I just wanted to see Behave. some Yetis, but... You didn't? Oh no, it was horrible. Hey, that, oh. Sorry, um, you go through, go through that rabbit hole. Okay. That's your last contribution to IGN <laughs> about some Russian hairy woman yeah. being held captive. Well, uh, if you've seen a hairy Russian woman, <laughs> IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Probably. Yeah, maybe. What's out this week? Oh, Tom. Just disturbed me. <laughs> all right, all right, let's do, let's do games. Um, Call of Duty Ghost, we haven't really mentioned it, but that's how that came out on Tuesday. Yeah. Sold two copies. Is anybody, is anybody playing it? New. I, I will play. I will I'm play thinking it. next gen, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I do like my Call of Duty campaign. It's a good little roller coaster. Um, Batman Blackgate is now out on 3DS. Layton and Azran's Legacy 3DS puzzle game. Also right. out, supposedly very good. Another great 3DS game in the year of Luigi. Yep. 
Um, Manica, Mario, and, Mario, Mario and Sonic at the Sochi 2014 Winter Olympics. Boycotting mm. it. Boycotting. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. yeah. I, can't, I literally Yoshi, can't understand how Yoshi, Russia... Yoshi's not in the game. <laughs> Russia. Oh, yeah. How, how Russia can enslave yetis and have the Winter Games. <laughs> Sorry. I, know, no, that, I was going to say something that's really what, that's, what, that's what Stephen Fry's letter was all yeah. about, wasn't yeah. it? About Russia's like, maltreatment of yetis. Yeah. <laughs> His government is 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 homophobic and racist. Oh, yeah. sorry, I don't know about the government being racist, but um, I, don't, I just I don't understand how this country can you hold a World the, Cup and uh, Winter Games. All right, do you see, they don't have the, one the infrastructure, no, no, fine. infrastructure or the politics. Do you see Tim Fry's documentary? Yes, nice. he confronted a Russian politician. Do you see it? Yeah, about being gay, and this guy said the most kind of backward things of all time and Stephen Fry just went I'm going to have to stop you because you're actually making a fool of yourself and Russia as a country as a culture and as a people um, so check it out it's a really good documentary right. sorry uh, let's have a go probably, the game's probably brilliant yeah <laughs> so I'm getting too political for you Stu no I was just worried that Tom is going to get polonium poisoning or something like <laughs> yeah. that what's sorry. that umbrella ouch that's torn it no Russian lessons uh, movies out this week I'm well I think there's one movie that we're all incredibly excited about and uh, that's Gravity no <clears throat> no time for any jokes because Gravity is just fucking brilliant it's incredible mm. see it on the biggest screen you can yeah if you haven't as close not, as you can as well actually don't sit as close as you can if you haven't already booked to see it in IMAX Ooh. in London you might be shit out of luck yeah I, I tried last night yeah, yeah. you can sit right at the front in the corner yeah on in, your the, own. in the disabled seats for yeah. the where they put the wheelchairs wow that's the only room they've got left that's not great is it worth breaking your leg for though no no it's definitely not I saw Prometheus that way <laughs> you did yeah. didn't you <laughs> But it is a breathtaking film, yeah. pun intended. It I, is insane. I kind of don't want to give too much away about it. It's one of those films that's better if you go in not knowing anything about it. Go see it. Uh, also out as a documentary called Seduced and Abandoned, which uh, is... About yetis. Yeah. <laughs> is it about films? It's about films. It's about the... I think it's about the Cannes Film Festival, isn't it? It's, yeah. Um, what's he called from 30 Rock? Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin, yeah. Trying Going. to sell a movie. Yeah. It's supposed to be quite good. You, you, you put um, Ryan Gosling in your cast list and you're all right, aren't you? Yeah, you're fine then, aren't it's you? It's a documentary. I don't, don't get fooled. And get one, seduced. one more thing for home entertainment. Um, really long version of The Hobbit, Unexpected How Journey. Long? Is it's it? really long. It's like a four-hour one. Yeah. Is it? Oh. Is it? Is it? <laughs> Sorry, that woke me up. <laughs> that, was, that, that excitement was immediately followed by... Is it? <sighs> uh, uh, if you want to watch a four-hour movie... Start booking for Gone with the Wind on the BFI at the BFI on an extended run. It's actually a good film. Now, see, I liked The Hobbit at the cinema. I quite enjoyed I it, yeah. and I thought I loved the. I watched it in HFR. I liked that. I loved the 3D. Yeah. I was. I, I was. It. I was there. I was with the Hobbits. I was loving it. And then I watched it at home on Netflix. Could not watch it all the way through. Really, it's like, a different so proposition, long. though, isn't it? Like, hey, no, HFR 3D big cinema. Very different prospect. I think it's I hard to watch longer films at home sometimes. Like, mm. how you long go out like to the cinema? It's an event, and you're there, and it's like going to theatre, and that's longer. Mm. You, you, yeah, you make a night of it, and you've paid money, so you've got a vested interest. It's easy to just go oh, fuck that on Netflix. Yeah, go watch Peep Show again, or you just check Twitter or whatever. <laughs> and I've just watched ten episodes of Peep Show, which was longer than The Hobbit. Yeah. Have you noticed that if you watch back-to-back comedy on Netflix, though, after about the third or fourth episode, Dimension Returns, it's just not funny anymore. Yeah. But you continue to watch. I mean, it. You know what? You know why that one of the ways it hooks you is you've watched more than two or three episodes. When you go to the next episode, it takes out the intro opening credits, skips oh. forward like right to the where the episode it does that on the PlayStation. 
Uh, it doesn't do it on a Roku and it doesn't do it on Samsung. Ah, that's a brilliant feature because you don't even know when one episode ends. That's yeah. one long episode. <laughs> it's just one long I've feature. watched League of Gentlemen four times now all the way through. But do you think it's a bit weird because what are they getting out of that? Because they don't advertise. It's not like you're, you know, that it's actually costing them to send that digital information Netflix to you. Netflix is nice people. It's good yeah, service. Yeah. It's why I don't know. That's why drug dealers are so personable. They want to just keep giving you it, and then all of a sudden you got no teeth and you're living on the streets because you got too much. Because you watch my, or, or, or my, or my equivalent, <laughs> it's four o'clock in the morning and I'm watching a documentary about oil. Yeah. <laughs> I've got work tomorrow. I've just watched two documentaries about bees and sharks. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll leave it there. Um, a small round of applause for the final appearance from Mr. Tom Butler, everybody. <laughs> Tom, you will be sorely missed. Uh, oh. But Mr. I think, Sorley. yeah, and all that. But good luck in your in your coming. You follow me on Twitter. It's at Tom Butler. Oh, uh, don't turn me down. No more. No more. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks to everyone who's Aww. ever listened, whoever's ever said nice things about me. Um, Send us your favourite Tom moment. No, don't. That no, wouldn't bother. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, it'd be I'm a slim sure. shoe. Yeah, and she's gonna have to go back and find it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Just you. Mm. Yeah. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye.